eagles. Amen. Amen. Okay, now that we established that we're in the right place today, let's talk about the reason we are here, which is Jesus. And originally, I wanted to do a series on the end times, but uh, I think with all the things going on in the election, I just didn't want to bring too much doom and gloom into the world and, and, and have, I don't want to have any of my words be prophetically spoken. Let God's word be the word. So anyways, I just thought, I'm just kidding. I didn't really think that at all. I just thought, man, we need to talk about Jesus and we're just going to kind of talk about the I am's of Jesus. And uh, really, as I was reading through the daily reading plan, it just was like, Jesus just kept coming back up in everything. And specifically that the prodigal son really just, I don't know, hit me this time and we might read that thousands of times and just thought, but I don't know, this time it really just began to pop up and, and this concept over and over again of how Jesus is the express image. And, and Jesus says, if you want to see the father, all you got to do is look at me. And, and they just, so I just was like, all right, Lord, let's just talk about Jesus. So today we're going to start uh, for the next number of weeks. We're going to start a series on the I am's of Jesus. Jesus said, I am, and then put a suffix, put a, a noun to it seven different times in the gospels. And before we even get to the I am's, I want to preface and, and I want to look at this chapter, uh, these verses in Colossians chapter one, and Jonah is going to put it on the screen and read with me. It's Colossians one verses 15 through 22. And it says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and everything was created for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. That's us. So he is first in everything. Say he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you and I who were once far away from God. We were his enemies separated from him by our evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, say yet now. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let me read one more verse out of Hebrews 1, 3. It says this, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had purged himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word again. God, we thank you that your word is living and sharper and powerful. God, it's the only thing that can separate our soul, Lord, from the spirit. And I thank you today, God, you're going to get us into the spirit. Lord, you're going to get us into deeper relationship with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you today, God, as always, that the city of God is good soil. Lord, we hear the word, we receive the word, we do the word. And as a result, we produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. I pray, Lord, those harvests in our finances. I pray for those harvests in our evangelism and discipleship life. God, I pray for those harvests in our friendships and our relationships. God, harvest in every area of our life this fall. And everybody said, 
Amen and amen. So there's a lot of these, a couple of these verses in the Gospels where it's like, I am this and, and I am that. And really the meat of this, this series is going to be looking at what does Jesus say he is. If Jesus says that I am something, then we need to know what about it. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd or I am the resurrection and the life, what does that mean for each and every one of us? And to really understand those, we have to understand this first thing here. Jesus Christ is the express image of God the Father. Okay. In the original language, it means the exact reproduction. You say, well, why is that important? Because many people look at the Old Testament and they'll say, God is this judge. He's mad at everybody. He's, you know, he's, he's instructing Israel to kill different people, all these different things. And we see God in the Old Testament is this ruler and this authoritarian. And then we see Jesus and Jesus is the lover. And we think, well, these are two separate people, right? That there's the God of the Old Testament and then there's the God of the New Testament. When in reality, Jesus Jesus Christ is one and the same. He, Jesus Christ is God. And so there's no separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament in terms of God is one. Amen? And so we have to understand that when Jesus Christ is the express image of God, that there's no differentiation between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. They are one and the same. A really cool doctrinal statement is that they are distinguishable in their personalities, yet they are indivisible in their nature which means that you can tell them apart, but you cannot separate them. That's what we call the Trinity, right? God is three in one. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see that all throughout the Bible, Jesus is really the same. And God even says that. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So we have to have this understanding that Jesus Christ is the express, the exact reproduction of God. Amen? Amen. A lot of times people say, I want to know what God the Father is like. And Jesus simply made this statement. He says, if you look at me, if you've seen me, Jesus, then you've seen the Father. And so all we have to do is look at Jesus to see the full representation of the Father. And that's great because any preconceived notion or lie from the devil we have about the Old Testament God the Father is broken and represented perfectly in Jesus the Son. We see that God is a loving Father. Right, That God is a loving God, that He wants to bless, that He wants to help us, that He wants to be around us, that He loves us. We see that in the image, the perfect image of Jesus, the Son. Amen? And what I love about God is He's not trying to hide Himself from us. Right? He's, he's very open and, and very clear and very spoken. And God has put it so that he's put it in our hearts so that we would want to search after him. One of my favorite verses in the Proverbs, it says that the glory of God is to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And so God has sort of concealed himself, but not really. Like a good example is when, when, we were, when the kids were really young and we'd play hide and seek. And sometimes all you would do is just throw a blanket over yourself. You'd be on the flat living room floor, right, with a blanket over you. And the kids are looking around. Daddy, where are you? Where are you, Daddy? It's like there's a giant lump of blanket in the middle of the floor. Like, how do you not know where I am? And this is the way the world is. You know, walking by, oh, that's science right there. Look at that. This happened. Look at this. All of create, all of this earth created by evolution, right? And we think, oh, we're going to do everything we can to ignore God when he's the giant lump in the middle of the room. And we're like, where's God? I don't see God. There's no God here. There's just a giant, lumpy, huge blanket. I don't know what that's there for, but it got there somehow, right? And this is the way God is. He's, he's, he's not a very good hider on purpose. And then he's like, listen to the blanket. I'm over here. 
Who said that? Who said that? Was that evolution who said that? No, it was God who said that, right? This is the way God is. God does not hide very well, and he's done that on purpose. And so he says, look, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And if you seek, you will what? You'll find him. And so people have to have this heart and perspective that there is a God, and I'm going to find him. And if you do that, then you will. Amen? Amen. So back to Colossians here, it starts with this. It starts with the idea of the invisible image. Not only is Jesus Christ the express image of God's person, he's also the visible image of the invisible God. Now, this is important because we as humanity have tried to create images that look like an invisible God. If you go to India or wherever, you're going to see sacred cows. There's even a whole temple just dedicated to rats. And they say, oh, this is, this is God. God is a rat. You know what I mean? This is a God. God is a cow. All these different things. You go to different parts of Asia, and they think God is a smiling guy who ate too much food. You know what I mean? They think he's Buddha. This is what God looks like. He's over here. He's chilling. He's got his belly out. You know what I mean? Poke the belly, rub the belly, whatever it is. That'll give me good luck. You know, I'm, I'm sort of stereotyping. Don't, don't, don't feel bad, okay? We're just laughing. You can laugh. Ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? So we see that humanity is trying to create this image of God. And God says, I don't think you understand. I already gave you the visible image of myself. And that visible image is who? Is Jesus. Okay, so we have to understand that Jesus is not only the express image, the exact reproduction. He is God, but he's also the visible image of God. So not only is he the exact representation of God because he is God in his nature, in his actions, in his thoughts, but he's also the visible image of the invisible God. Now, does that mean that Jesus Christ is the, is that we see the pictures of Jesus from the Renaissance and he hasn't seen the sun in like 40 years and he's got the lamb over his shoulder and he looks kind of pale and depressed and sad like, you know, have you seen those pictures? Anybody I did art, art history, if you ever took that in college or whatever, and there's all these pictures of Jesus, and he just looks so sad and pathetic. And that, that's not what we're talking about. That's not the visible image. Those are just, again, man's ideas of what God looks like. Jesus literally walked on earth, right? And he was a human. He came in the form of human, took on the human form, and walked on this earth. And so we know that Jesus Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. And this is really cool because this is how we can relate. And this is how a lot of people can understand God the Father because, yeah, I could relate to a person. It's a lot harder to relate to an invisible God. So God says, I understand that. Because I created all of humanity, so I'm going to send you my son in the likeness of a man. Amen? And so then we see, okay, this is what Jesus, God is like this. Jesus looks like this. Jesus had hands. Jesus had feet. Jesus had a face. Jesus had a beard and long hair. And so we can relate with the idea that there is an invisible God, but he has a visible form. Right now, when we get to heaven, we'll get to see God in all of his glory. Right now, it's too much for us to handle. Then he goes on to say that Jesus existed before everything else. Unless we forget that Jesus is God, Paul reminds us that before Jesus walked on earth, he existed before that. You say, why is that, why is that important? Because that means that Jesus Christ was actively involved in the creation of earth and all of its inhabitants, right? We look like God. God created male and female in his image, so they thought about what is a human going to look like? What is a person going to look like? And Jesus and, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, they all got together, which are the same and one and the same. And they said, look, we're going to make man in our image, and this is what we want him to look like. 
And that's a great thing. Then it goes on to further understand this, that Revelation says that Jesus was slain. The lamb was already slain before the foundations of the world. So now we know that not only did he exist before earth, but Jesus had already made up his mind that he was going to save us before earth was ever even created. He had already made the decision that, yes, we're going to create mankind. Yes, mankind is going to fall into sin and he's going to break the law. But yes, I will go down to earth and I will be crucified and resurrected so that we can save our creation. That's a really deep thought and that's a really cool thought because this, again, we're framing up before we get to the I am's. We got to understand the nature of Jesus, that he already knew what was going to happen and he already said yes to that, which is why Paul's able to say all of God's promises are in him, in Jesus. They're yes and they're amen. That Jesus has already decided he's for us. He's not against us. He's going to do everything he can on planet earth to redeem us. And he did. Amen. So he's the express image. He's the visible image. He's the one who existed before the earth. And then it goes on to say that he's supreme over all creation. Now, don't think of this like Taco Supreme. Like, that's sort of our, our typical, like, Supreme. Like, man, uh, Supreme is the Taco Supreme, okay? Not only am I getting the tortilla, uh, you know, I mean, the hard shell tortilla and the, and the beef and the lettuce and the cheese and the sour cream, but now I'm getting it wrapped in beans in another soft tortilla. This is the Taco Supreme. This is the culmination of all the greatest Mexican foods rolled into one. That's the way Jesus is. He's Taco Supreme. No, that's not what we're talking about. Jesus is way better than Taco Supreme. In fact, he's supreme over all creation. He reigns over all of heaven, all of the earth, and all the tacos on heaven and on earth. Amen? Okay? He made the things that we can see, even though he also made the things that we can't see. And it was created through him. And are you ready for this? It was created for him. So not only did Jesus was actively involved, it was created through him, and it was created for him. Say this, we were created for Jesus. That's right. Now you know. Now you're responsible for that. We were created for Jesus. Not for ourselves. Not for Taco Supremes. We were created for Jesus to do his will. And, and what's so, you know, we sing that song, I'll climb this mountain and nothing I hold on to. You know, it says, I, 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 lean, not on to, I lean not to my own understanding, right? And then what's the other line? Uh, yeah, my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven, right? And that, that's like so awesome to sing. And then Monday morning, if you start singing, you're like, wait a minute. I don't know if I can do that, right? I lean not to my own understanding because my understanding is, of course, limited by what I know and don't know. It's limited by my experience and things like that. And so what we have to do is my life is not my own. It's not my hands anymore. It's in the hands of the maker of heaven. And this is what we're saying here is that we were created for Jesus. And so, therefore, this is the part that we continually kind of wrestle with and we'll wrestle with till we get to heaven. I can tell you that is that my life is not my own. And I don't understand all the things that are going on in this world, but I'm not leaning to that understanding of what I know and what can be known. I'm leaning to the one who created what can be seen and what has not yet been seen. I'm leaning to him and he is where I'm putting all of my trust, not in what I know, not in what I can see, because there's too many things that I cannot see that God has in, in ahead of me. Amen. Like I said, it's this, this easier. It's easy to preach on. And you just say, yeah, that's... But yeah, but Monday morning, you got to wake up and be like, oh man, I lean out to my own understanding. 
well, I know what I need to do today, right? And that's where we've got to say, man, we were created for Jesus. I'm here to do whatever God has for me. Amen? So God, now listen to this one, says God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And that, that's, that's a huge statement because all through the Old Testament, God did not live anywhere. He even says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. He did not live anywhere or in any person on earth. He came down, he'd visit, drop some glory on people, drop his presence, do whatever. But then he'd go sneak back up to his seat, up to his recliner, up in heaven and rule from there. So when God says that it pleased the Father to live completely the fullness of God in Jesus, that's huge because this is basically saying that all of the Father was in all of the Son was in all of the Holy Spirit. This means everything. All of the fullness of God was in Jesus and it pleased God to live in him. Jesus was not and is not like God Jr. You know, oh, well, this is Jesus is just like a miniature version of me. This is, you know, no, he was all of God and all the fullness of God lived inside of Jesus. And this will make more sense as we get later on there. But if it pleased God, to live in Christ, don't you think that's a pretty good seal of approval? Yeah? So then maybe when Paul says our lives are to be hidden in Christ, and this is just a thought, perhaps we can find it just as pleasing to live in Christ. Right? You following me? Is that God says, man, it pleased the Father to live all put all his fullness in Christ, how much of our fullness are we putting in Christ? Right? In reality, if you say fullness, that means everything. Are we putting our fullness to living in Christ or are we not? Are we just putting little bits in Christ? Well, this portion of my life is in Jesus, right? Sunday morning for a couple of hours, that part's in Christ. Monday through Friday, that part's in me, Right? Or maybe, you know, this time or this couple couple minutes in the morning that I give to Jesus. That, that, that part is in Christ, but the rest is in me. And this is when we say we were created for him. Then we have to give him everything. We have to give him our fullness. And sometimes that's just simply a matter of saying it out loud. That Jesus, I give you all my fullness. You got everything that I have. Even today, even this morning, it's Tuesday morning. Jesus, you've got all of me and then be prepared to do whatever. Sometimes he may interrupt our schedule and something may happen. And sometimes nothing spectacular may happen, right? We've all had that before. It's like, man, I give you everything, God, and then nothing happens. And the next day we don't say it and then everything happens. So we've just got to be open to say, if we're created for him, then all of my fullness, everything I have is going to be hidden in Christ, just like it pleased God the Father to put all of his fullness in Jesus. Amen? You should all say amen to that. It pleased God to dwell in Christ, and it also pleased God to reconcile everything and everyone to himself through Jesus. And that's... That's that's good news. That's literally the good news is that we were enemies from God. And he says this, Paul says this, you and I, we were enemies. We were far away from God, yet it pleased God to reconcile each and every one of us 
to himself through the son. Through his physical body, through the work that he did, we were far off. Not, not, just, not just you or not just me, but every single one of us, we were all far off from God. He didn't want us to stay out in the cold. And so he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to save you. I'm going to use my physical body and I'm going to redeem all of mankind so that we can be near each other again. He wanted us to see himself. So he goes and he redeems us. He goes and does the work. He goes after us. He runs to us. He sees us afar off and he's the one who brings us into his presence this is jesus the express image of the father the visible image of the invisible god the supreme ruler over everything and everyone the one who existed before all and is first in everything the one whom god dwells entirely in this is the jesus who kicked down every wall leveled every mountain raised up every canyon set us in a wide open place took away our sins took away our sickness destroyed debt he's the one who has done all of the work just so that he can get to us so that we can be reconciled to him. It's the same Jesus in the Old Testament in the New Testament. We talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about whose side are you on, where, where Joshua and, and, and the angel of the Lord are coming and talking, and, 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 and the angel says, you know, Joshua says, whose side are you on? And the angel says, I'm not on anybody's side, I'm on my own side. And what this actually is, is this is, a, this is Jesus coming to earth before he came to earth in the New Testament when he was born. So he's coming to earth, he's taking on the form of the angel of the Lord, he's the commander of the Lord's armies, and he comes down to Joshua, and Joshua says, man, what side are you on? And Jesus says, I'm not on your side or their side. I'm on my side. The question is, whose side are you on? And what side are we going to give ourselves to be in Christ? Or are we going to try and be, I'm on my side, but I'm not on that side. I'm not on this side. No, I'm on Jesus' side. And that's when we can really say, God is for us. When we, the, really, the, the real thought behind it is, God's not just for us. We are for Him. We're for His mentalities and His thoughts and His will and His way and His life. And so because we are for him he is then for us because we're on his side amen we're in christ no longer pleasing ourselves and pleasing the world we're living in christ to please god and that of course pleases god when we dwell in christ in the fullness amen amen what, and whether we're far off, whether we're close by, whether we're weak or wearied or tired, Jesus is here and he's brought us into his presence. And it says, why, why did God bring us into his presence? And we're going to end right here on this thought in this verse. He brought us in so that he could present you and I holy and blameless, standing before the Father without, ready for this? This is the last verse of that thing, without a single fault. And, I mean, just think about that for a second. Think about how many faults we have. You know what I mean? In, in, in tennis, just thinking of this, this idea of the fault. You know what I mean? You ever seen a foot fault? It's where you're, even if your toe just crosses that little white, even if the, the, the hair of your shoe crosses over that white line, that's a foot fault. You made a mistake. And this is how minute faults and sins are in our life is that it's so easy to fault before the Lord. And here's what God says, without a single fault, without a single mistake, without you crossing over that line, he presents us over and over and over and over. He stood once and for all and now can present us without a single fault. 
that we all made mistakes. Probably this week, maybe even this morning. You know what I mean? Maybe you're on a, a, a groove this morning and you haven't committed a single fault. Awesome. Great. But what about yesterday? Yesterday was foot fault capital. You know what I mean? I just ah, 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 over and over, you know? And, and this, is, this is what God says. I presented you without a single fault. Not one mistake. That, that is the good news. That we can tell people, and people, it's so, it's mind-boggling to me to when we hear over and over again of how judgmental Christians are. It's like, I'm not judgmental. I'm letting you know that we, there's not a single fault if you're in Jesus. If you are afar off, then you are the fault master. You know what I mean, you're covered in faults. But when you step into Christ in the fullness of Him and giving you giving Him the fullness of yourself, you get presented before God the Father without a single fault. And there is no judgment that can befall you. Amen? Amen. And this is what we've got to let people know. We've got to continually break down that. And we have to go above and beyond to break that barrier because the devil is just lying like crazy about everything all the time. And we have to make sure that we are showing people that Jesus loves them and he's bringing them into his kingdom. He wants to present them before the Father without a single fault. And people don't understand that. They think, well... You know, maybe your friend would ask you, well, do you think if I'm not saved, I'm going to hell? And it's like, I mean, truthfully, the answer is yes. But all you have to do is come to Jesus. And he's running to you right now with open arms. All you got to do is open up your arms and receive him. And you, too, will be without judgment and without a single fault. But the devil doesn't want people to hear that. And he doesn't want our mouths to be sharing that. And so he's going to do whatever he can. And I'm telling you, I want to encourage you over these next couple of weeks, let there be a boldness and a faith rise up in your heart to tell people about Jesus and how good he is. I don't immediately tell people that I'm a pastor simply because of all the walls that go up and all the preconceived notions. I'd rather someone just get to know me. And then when they find out, be like, that makes sense. Right? Oh, that, okay, now, oh, you're a Christian? That makes more sense. Not because I'm lazy and judgmental and harsh and rude and this or that, but because, oh man, he's loving, he's forgiving, he's gracious, he's friendly. I feel there's something different about it's Jesus. That's what makes us different. It's that we have been forgiven and we're ready to forgive. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads as we close this morning. And uh, let's just pray. Thank you.